Welcome to episode 90 of the No Degree Podcast. Robert McGraw went to college, but from experience, he recognized that there was a lot wrong with the system and the process of deciding to go to school. As a young adult, many people he knew struggled to pay the mountain of debt that they had incurred. His thought was, it shouldn't be this hard to make a good choice. Listen in as we discuss his book, 12 Lies About College, and why following your passion can sometimes work against you. Remember, visit nodegree.com to start your journey. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Every sub is appreciated. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's get this show started. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little different. Today, I have the author of 12 Lies About College, Rob McCraw, and he's going to share his experience of why he wrote the book and the research he did behind the book. But before we get started on that, I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into the show. Whatever platform you're listening on, please like, comment, and share this episode, whether it's YouTube, every share is appreciated, and I appreciate each and every one of you. So, Rob. Let's talk about your book. What got you started down the path of writing this book? Oh, so many people I know when I was in my 20s were servicing a mountain of debt and looking for jobs and struggling to start a family. It's just life was so hard when I was in my 20s. And I looked around and I thought, well, it shouldn't be this hard, right? It, sh- it shouldn't be this hard to make a good choice. They thought they were making the right choice, and then they were finding they resented their time in college. I said, well, there's got to be something to this. So I started paying attention. I started doing some research. I just had to do something to help the community, right, to, to dispel the lies, right? I don't, I don't want people to end up resenting the choices they made. Yeah, no, and I think that's a great point because so many people do resent because they're given this picture. And an incomplete picture. It's a picture that was true in the 70s to 90s. And then they're giving advice as if they're in the 70s to 90s. It's like your parent kind of saying, hey, back in my day, candy was like five cents. You right. could go buy candy. And now, like, you try to get a Snickers bar, it's like two bucks. Yeah, it's a whole different deal now. Um, it's, a whole, it's a whole different deal. So we, we got to modernize our understanding. And the world has changed, right? Just the access. Back then, you didn't have YouTube. You didn't have books at this scale. You didn't have online courses. You didn't have distance learning. You literally, if you wanted an expert, you had to kind of go to the library. Even buying books, right? You, I don't even, how did people buy books before? I, I like, now I just go on Amazon. Like, how did you buy a book before? Like, did you have to go on a catalog? Oh, you have to go to a bookstore. I totally forgot. So what is, what are some of the common lies that people fall for? Probably the the most common one is right at the beginning that everyone has to go. Right? We preach that so much in the educational system at the high school level, principals and superintendents on the percent of kids that go to college. That's the wrong metric. It's a terrible incentive. College isn't right for every kid. So that's that's kind of the first fork in the road. You got to decide whether or not it's right for you. And if it's not, you could have a much better richer, more fulfilling life following your natural skills and passions, right? If, if you, it's not for everybody and that's the first fork in the road, that's the big one too many fall for. And I think there's a psychology behind it because a lot of people feel incomplete. Like I know successful people who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and you know, sometimes their parents will say, oh, but you didn't finish. I wish you had finished or people around them finish and they think like they couldn't have finished. And it's like, 
first of all, a lot of them could have finished if they had the support, they had the right circumstances, if they knew what, you know, they had this support system. And the other thing is, it's okay if you couldn't have finished, right? Because there are some things that you can do that other people can't do who have gone to school, right? I've seen people who are PhDs who are terrible at budgeting or who are terrible at managing their lives and who couldn't do anything, but they're brilliant in their areas of expertise. Now, in your opinion, what's the most impactful lie? It's really hard to sort out the single most impactful. I think there's um, the financial piece of this is probably the biggest lie that it's that it's worth the money to take on all that debt for that degree, right? And that that's what sits at the at the intersection of the school I go to matters and and a few of the other lies in the book. So that's what makes it the most impactful. Most people don't understand what it takes to service $100,000 in debt over a 10-year amortization. It's just, cool. it's a burden. It's heavy. It's such a burden. And that's what a lot of people don't get. It's like 100000 It's so much money. And people don't realize, like, even if you make hundred k a year, that's so much. Because in order for you to pay it off in one year, you'd actually probably have to make $150,000 and have zero expenses. Exactly. I don't know anybody <laughs> who makes that much money who has zero expenses. Right. And then right. here's the thing. To get a job that pays 100000 that's typically not your first job. Unless you work in certain areas that are extremely high in demand and competitive anyway, you're not going to get a job that pays that out of college. Even if you do, the few jobs that do Either your tech, so you have to be really sharp. So that's the only one where you can get a work-life balance. But you're going to have to do crazy amounts of internships to get that job in the first place. And it's super competitive. There's a luck factor involved. The other route is finance. And in finance, if you're making that money early on in your career, you're working 80 to 110-hour work weeks. It's outrageous. I don't know about you, but I like time to be able to just relax and sometimes watch maybe a show of it. I'm not a binge watcher, but that's just, honestly, it's just way too much time. And it's not realistic. That's not a, if you told me, hey, in order to do this, you you have to work 100 hour weeks. I would tell you, hey, why are you doing that? That's a bad investment. Yeah. We got to figure out what makes each of us happy, right? What we want out of life. Yeah. And then the other thing is, so the total student loan debt is actually at 1.7 trillion right now. And then also, to be fair, I, I always like being transparent with the audience. The average student loan debt, at least a couple of years ago, was like 30,000. It probably has jumped up to like 35 and is creeping towards 40. So just realize that the 100,000 is sort of on the higher end. You know, there are a lot of people with under, but the average is at 30,000, 35,000. But look, even then, that's a significant amount to kind of think about, right? If you think about a monthly basis, you're paying like a couple hundred dollars a month, you know, maybe like yes. four to 700. Actually, the interest rates have jumped up for student loans at least. So it's like, right? right? You're hitting like $400 a month, $500 a month. And now look, that may not seem like a lot of money to you, but that's after tax. So you, in order to pay off 500, you have to probably earn $800. You know, you're probably earning 800 so now you multiply that by the, you know, 12 times eight, what do you use? 96. So close to 10,000 a year. So eight to 10,000 a year after tax. So let's say you get a real, a, a good job out of college, $60,000. You, let's say you pay after benefits and stuff. You're left with, you know, you lose 33%. You're left with 40,000. Now, usually a lot of these jobs, they're not in the cheapest places. You have rent. 
you have other expenses. So even if you, okay, you're good. You found some place cheap, a thousand a month, you lose another 12,000 groceries, right? I can't walk out the grocery store without spending 60 to 80 bucks. And that isn't even for the full weeks. That's just like me on a splurge. So just, you really have to think about these things when you're sort of taking on debt. Now, there's another thing that a lot of people don't realize that average programs are four years. But what's the average that people graduate? 4.7 years. You better bet, better budget for five, right? You're not going to be out in four. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 4.7 years, mean time to graduation. So that's the other thing. It's like, okay, so now it's, you have a year extra of tuition. This makes a big difference because if you go to a local school, that's fine. You don't have the same room and board depending on your living, if you're living with your parents. If you go to another school, a year worth of room and board, remember, that's not knowledge you're getting. That's just, you're paying just to live and these, be smart about it, right? And then the meal plans and all that stuff. That causes an issue, right? That's one year of spending and one year you're not earning, which sets you apart. And then the other thing is, let me tell you, if you try to take summer classes, winter classes, typically your scholarship doesn't cover it in the same capacity and you're paying for it. So it's like, even if you try to graduate earlier, you run into other financial issues. I'm going to tell you, they find ways to get money out of you in every single way. They're getting their money. That's maybe chapter one that the college is a for-profit system, right? That's the truth. Yeah. Most college is a for-profit system. So they could sell you their altruistic pitch all they want, that it's all about you and all about your future. But the reality is it's at least dual purpose. They have a bottom line. They need to make money. And I tell people colleges are in the business of education. And in sometimes your needs align with the college's needs, right? Sometimes it's perfect. You're in a good program. You're not paying a lot of money. You have a scholarship. You're a good student. All these factors. The other thing is sometimes it doesn't align. Like if you drop out after one year, two years, three years, boom, you're in big trouble because you don't have the debt. And a lot of times you haven't learned enough to, to kind of go out there and you have to supplement that education. And then sometimes a lot of people just judge you. Oh, you're a dropout. You're this and that. And then you have some extra other things to kind of go through. So now, why do you feel so passionate about this? Because people are passionate about things, but you're passionate enough to go write a whole book and do the research. Like, this is not just the paper. This is like a whole project, interviewing, doing a lot of research. Why are you so passionate about this? Well, I think my, one of my greatest values is, is wanting to help people, right? And being a lifelong learner and having done college differently myself. I did college at a net gain of $36,000. That's unusual. There's stories to tell. And I just wanted to put my experience and my perception of, of all the people around me who had the college experience and even those who didn't, right? I wanted to make something of that that would help a larger population. To some extent, I wanted to be a role model for all the children in my family, right? I wanted to give them a little support and, and, a, and a little inspiration. So it's, it's doing the right thing for a lot of different good reasons. Thank you for this because it's something that I would recommend people read, whether or not you're going to college, just to understand. I think once people have an understanding, you will treat it differently because, again, I was did a lot of research. I was very savvy. And even then, there are these things you just don't know, especially because a lot of times you're in bubble environments. They're telling you all these things. And again, they're telling you because they want the best for you, but they don't know better. They're coming from a limited source. Exactly. Exactly. There's no... There's no malicious intent on the part of parents or guidance counselors or anybody else. 
they're more in a place of, of ignorance, right? There's no intent and we just need to enlighten them. We need to enlighten so many more people that it's a for-profit machine and, and, and the truth behind each of these different lies, it's not hard, right? 37 pages, you can finish it in like 40 minutes and you could make a way, way better decision about your education. One of the things, one of the chapters, I know this is a point, the system cares. I like that. So can you expand on this? Well, this is the, the point we were talking about earlier about the collegiate system is by and large for profit. So to think it cares like a human being cares about you is just not true. And for people who've been in you know, the lower grade systems, grade school, middle school, and high school, to a certain extent, those systems will take care of you. College will not take care of you. They are happy to take your tuition as you fail out, right? They're happy to sell you a worthless degree. The system doesn't care. So you have to approach this from a more skeptical point of view. You got to be aware that you're being sold something. That's a sad thing. A lot of people don't realize because it's an abstract product. Right? It's not like, hey, I buy a PlayStation, I go buy it, I know what the PlayStation does. It's a very abstract product. They're selling the experience. They're selling this mythical, you're going to be successful. And the thing is, is, they'll use stats and stuff. And a lot of times, you can't even verify how the stats are done. Like, what are you going to do? Like, how they create the stats, how they track the studies. Like, how is my college going to know how much I make? Like, I have no idea how they're going to make. Well, my friends know how much I make, but other people don't know how much I make and I've never reported to them in any capacity. So how are they going to make an accurate assessment of how much I made? And then they're also taking credit for the fact of I did a lot of things myself. And look, I, I, I had a good value from college, but it's a very skewed thing. Even a lot of times it's like they do things like even if they did an accurate thing, if you're studying the graduates from 2000 to 2010, they were in a different time frame a different economy. They were competing with a different amount of graduates. It's different from 2010 to 2015. It's different to now, different industries. Things have changed so much. Like I'll give an example. I want to, I was an actuary. I know, so when I graduated in 2013, I knew someone that became an actuary in 2011. Now, what happens with an actuary is it's always the top job on Google. What's the top job? An actuary always makes top 10, right? And it's a lie too. It's, it's a good job, but not, it shouldn't be top 10. And what happens is in like 2009 to 2011, to get an actuarial job, you if you majored in math, you could go get a job, right? And you pass an exam. You pass exams while you're on the job, right? Then like 2011, 10, 11, one exam, no experience, you can get a job. Then like 2012, one exam gets you an internship. So one exam, one internship, and then you get a job. 2013, Two exams <laughs> get you an internship, which gets you a job. And then when I, I started looking, it was like, sometimes you need a master's degree. Yeah. Sometimes you need three exams to break in. Sometimes you need three exams, two internships. And now look at the, the, the time to entry is so much longer. The return isn't there. Now, if you really love the career, that's amazing. But you have to realize that sometimes some of the people who are giving you advice, they don't, they don't know what entry level looks like. They're at a different level. And there's like, oh, I... I and the difference is, it's like once you have experience in the industry, jobs are so easy to find. But these people are not dealing with the entry level because when I was recruiting, I saw I, was, I saw people for example, like I'm recruiting. They have four exams. They have two, three internships. I have two exams while working full time and 
one internship, you know, and I have more experience in the realm, but it's like, I didn't have to jump through the same hoops that they did. So these are things that like a lot of people just really, you really have to do a lot of research. And unfortunately, a lot of the good info you have to, now you have podcasts, which are a goldmine for info. But I remember I used to have to go to forums. Somehow, if you're lucky, you may know someone like I had a friend whose neighbor was an actuary. Sometimes you get lucky like that, but not everyone has that. And so I would ask you another thing. It's like, so another lie you mentioned is your major matters. So this is something that a lot of people get hung up on. (laughs) So tell me, expand on that. So many people think their major matters. And the answer is sometimes. So there's certain disciplines, right? You have like engineering. And, and higher levels of science and, and psychology and certain other things, accounting at higher levels, it, it will matter, right? You know, you look at the HR discipline, typical degrees in HR, BS in psychology and a BA in speech communications. Those aren't degrees in HR, right? Those are people who were misled and told, study what you love. So they did. And then they got out and they said, where are the jobs? There aren't. Well, what can I do? with this education. That's just a few examples. And then you look at, by and large, just ask the people around you, ask the adults around you, ask your friends and colleagues, what kind of job do you do? What's your degree in? And you will find massive amounts of misalignment. Massive. And it sucks because you choose this degree when you're early. I know so many people who they're in their third or fourth year, but they're in so deep that they cannot switch their degree. If they wanted to switch, they would have to spend another one or two years because in order to take this class, you have a prerequisite. And in order to take that class, you have a prerequisite. So it takes a year and a half to even get to this one class. So that's an issue. And then the other thing is those classes fill up. So if you don't, if you're not lucky and you don't get some department and you have to go to a college department and these people are not the most sympathetic, right? They don't seem to care. I have a funny story. So when I went to, I transferred schools, right? And I changed my majors. I was a phys ed major. Then I switched it. I transferred school. I was going to be a math major. I wanted to take calculus, but they put me in pre-calc. Now, here's the thing. I took pre-calc the junior year of my high school, and I took AP calc the senior year. Now, I didn't pass the AP exam. I was tired student, overworked student. When I went, they're like, oh, college pre-calc is different. And I had to go and I had to go argue. And then this is that. Then they looked up my SAT scores and they're like, oh, okay, you can, right. you did good in math. You can go into calc. When I went to Cal, they're like, oh, college Cal is different. When I went to Cal, I, it was, I got an A. I think the first exam, I, I made some mistakes, but I got an A. I was one of the best students in the class. So a lot of times they just don't even understand, like, I came from a good high school. So it's like a lot of things. I've seen people, some of my college classes were easier than some of my high school classes. And that's not the case for a lot of high school. But if you go to a very competitive high school, depending on your teacher, I had more work in um, high school for the most part, other than the select few classes. So these are things that, like, they don't care. Like, I've seen people who have the AP credit who've passed the exams and they have to retake this class and it's a waste of their time. And it's like, why would you have to repeat the class just to get an easy A when you could go ahead? And it just doesn't make sense. So now let's go to the next. And you mentioned this. You said study what you love. Yeah. And that's something that I see a lot. It's like, oh, get a job and you know, study what you love and you'll be okay. And it sucks because ideally we'd love to do it and some people can do it, but for the most part, it's not realistic, right? Well, it, yeah, the, it, it depends on what you love, right? It, if you love something that's really marketable, that there's a career for, 
that you can monetize by all means, right? But, you know, studying cultural anthropology, unless you really want to be a teacher, not a heck of a lot of jobs, right? Indiana Jones is a character in the movie, but you don't meet Indiana Jones when you're walking down the street every day. So yes, you could love it. You could have all the hobbies you want, but hobbies don't put a roof over your head, food on the table. They don't put a boat in your garage. They don't feed your kids, right? They don't provide for vacations. So, so hobbies are great. You know, study what you love as a minor, maybe, or as a second major. But if you're going to go to college, pick a major that is marketable, that there's jobs. And then also to add on to that, if you are choosing something that's marketable, make sure you put effort and you spend time on it because I come across a lot of people who I do resumes for and they're college students. They just chose comp sci because someone told them, hey, this is the hot job. But the fact is they don't know anything about it. They can't, they don't have any skills in it. They can't pass an interview for their life. They have like zero interest in it. So they don't know anything about it. Like they couldn't tell the difference between a, a Windows laptop and an Apple like MacBook, you know, and that's pretty bad. Like, and this is more technical, but I've seen on Twitter lately, like there are a lot of people who major in computer science and they don't know what GitHub is. And I'm going to tell you, if they ask you GitHub and you don't know what GitHub is, it's like, what are you doing? It's like, you don't know anything. It just throws all your credibility. It doesn't matter what you learned. It's obvious that you don't know enough about the real world to be a fit, right? That means you haven't done a simple Google search of anything outside the classroom, which is kind of, which is a huge red flag. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's what I think I hear you saying is it's absolutely more about the knowledge, skill, and ability that you gain throughout yeah. your life. Here's the other thing. The degree will not teach you everything you need to know. Oh, yes. Because again, professors have some, they'll share what their experiences. They're Sometimes they have to go by certain curriculum that they're limited by the school. Some professors don't care as much, right? They kind of just do it. That's the other thing. It's just because someone's a professor does not mean they're a good teacher. Right. And the other thing is oftentimes professors are hired for their research ability and their ability to get grant money, which is a separate skill to teaching. Absolutely right. And then there are other times you're taught by a TA who may be brilliant or who may have had the subject come easy to them, but that's different to teaching someone who's not an expert. And this often happens in the sciences and the math where you get these people who are absolute geniuses, but they can't explain to you just because, you know, to them, it just is like one plus one, right? How can you not get of this, this isomorphism or this linear algebra matrices? You know, how can't you calculate this in your head when they can? So sometimes it's hard for them to kind of teach you and kind of break things down, right? That's, there are very few good teachers, especially in the sciences. Some other areas tend to be a little easier. Now, when did you write this book? When did I first draft it or when was it? Yeah, well, let's talk about it. Let's, <laughs> when was it let, let's do it because I know book is not just like when you publish it. How long did it take you to write and when did you actually finish it? The first draft was about five years ago. And I just sat down and over the course of two days, outlined and drafted probably 80% of it. And through fits and starts, it progressed. A chapter was added here and there. This one got refined. I did research and, and built out this one in a more concrete way, right? It, it, it progresses in a very kind of slow, organic churn, for me at least. 
you know, life happens, working full time, getting distracted. And then I got laid off at the beginning of this of 2021. And I said, what, what do I do at this time? Well, this is the opportunity. This is the chance to, to finish, to do that bucket list thing to help all those people, right? I can finally make good on this dream of getting the book out there. So I sat down, got focused, uh, worked with a designer, did all the artwork, right? All, all the practical bits you need to do, worked with a copy editor, right? To get it tuned up in that way. and then learned enough about publishing to figure out that for me uh, direct publishing via amazon was the right choice so it, it it took more work than i thought to write a book yeah it was it was not as easy as it might appear yeah no i mean that's amazing now i'm gonna ask you if you were to write the book again would you write it any differently or, or- would you go about writing, like, in terms of the content, would you add some things? Have some things been even stronger since you published it? Hmm. What would I do differently to make it better? Or more relevant because, you know, you wrote it at the time and then a lot of changes happened, right? Online learning has popped up like crazy in the last five years. Online courses, podcasts, right? Just things change that when you write it, it's, it's still relevant today, but there are other things that maybe you might have done differently. I do dream from time to time about expanding into this wider subject area, but the reality of it is there's lots of career planning books out there. There's lots of resume writing books out there. There's lots of all the other parts of this space have loads of materials. The gap that I saw was nobody was dispelling these lies, right? They were perpetuating Mm, the lies. So it's a bit of a counterculture play that I did, the niche I saw in the market, the need that needed to be met. So to do it differently, I might go a, a little bit more. I don't know if it needs more examples to prove out each point, right? At the risk of becoming unnecessarily verbose, right? I just like to be direct. People don't need to spend six days reading my book. I wanted them to be able to, to just quickly read it, learn what they needed to learn to make a really solid decision for their lives. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And I think you're right that there's so many different books. And the main thing that a lot of high school, like high school kids don't care about writing a resume. <laughs> they don't care about uh, even sometimes career planning. Sometimes they just need that initial myth dispelled. And, you know, you hit a lot of great points that there is a huge culture around it that from the moment you're young, you're Oh, get a good job, go to college, go to this, go to that. You, the people in your neighborhood, the people in your community, your parents, your family members, older siblings are all kind of saying it. And what do you tell someone? Hey, I want you to get a good education so you don't work that job. You know, and they point to a janitor and they point to a server and they point. And unfortunately, it does that. And then I come across some people after their student loans and stuff, they're making the same as the people that they're pointing out to, right? And they don't realize that a lot of different jobs have, you know, you have, you make, you learn about certain skill sets. You actually have some promotion opportunities. Like I remember I used to work for the, the New York City School Construction Authority and we used to audit um, schools, kind of go tours. 
Some of these custodians, they're hanging out. It's like on the weekends, they're getting overtime. They're like mopping the floors, blasting music, and they're relaxing and all that. And they kind of look down on these jobs. And then I actually know someone who ended up becoming a garbage man. And, you know, he gets overtime and he makes serious money. And then, you know, he's just happy. He just like zones out, works, you know, goes to work. And, you know, they have the common saying, like, you get as a garbage man, you get eight hours of work and you can finish it in three to four hours you know, kind of thing. Right. And, you know, and they're fine with that. It's just, there's so many things. And then it all depends on your strengths and weaknesses. I know a lot of people, they major in something. And that's why it's very important to get experience early. I've seen some people, they go to nursing school, they do this thing and they don't like the sight of blood. Right. And now it's like, you should have, you know, seen it at a doctor's office. You should have done something. You should have been exposed. And it just, they don't realize the reality. A lot of people just, they think of this, they think of the end result, I'm going to be this doctor. And they don't realize that doctors spend a lot of time talking to insurance companies and managing this and that and fighting. And a lot of time in, as a lawyer, it's not in courtroom, it's waiting, it's going through motions, it's sending emails, it's reviewing documents. And that's not what you like, right? That's not what you see on TV. Unfortunately, that doesn't make for good TV shows, right? right? And you're given a lot of myths. And unfortunately, what happens is by the time you go down the drain, I mean, you go down this rabbit hole and you go really deep. I know people, by the time they realize it, they may be in med school. Now, med school is a totally different thing. You may have the undergrad loans plus another 100, 200K on top of that. And the thing is, you can't even do it. If you drop out, there's nothing you can do that will even make a return on your investment and you're stuck in this career. And I've seen it. And then you kind of have to work 10 years because I know so many doctors, what do they do? They'll work 10 years and they do real estate and they care more about the real estate than they do about their patients. And then it just causes a lot of issues. And it's tough as to switch transition careers. And I've, I've done a resume for a dentist and trust me, it's not easy. He was very proactive. He, was, he went out there. He got a good job, but it's not easy for most people. And I know actually someone else who's a dentist and she actually wants to switch because what happened is Due to the, she's a little short due to the positions that she kind of works in. It hurt. It's heavy on her back. It took a toll on her back. So here's something that she didn't know, studying, 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 and she didn't know. So now it's like she has to like therapy and physical therapy and all that stuff. So it's like another thing. It's like once you commit to a certain career that's really advanced and requires a lot of schooling, you're kind of stuck. It's not just like a bachelor's where you could easily switch. You majored in English, you worked in HR, now you want to switch to something, it's okay. As a dentist, it's like you've kind of committed. The only thing, in order to switch, you may have to take a huge salary, which doesn't make sense. So you keep on doing this job and it's just, you're stuck. You're literally stuck until you can pay off the loans or until you can save enough to make an easy transition. And then sometimes it's like, hey, I have to go back to school and they go through the process again, which is super long. So relevant what you're saying about not just understanding that there are jobs, but really at depth understanding what the jobs are, what they really are like to work in. And is that how you like to work? Is that the environment and the physical labor or the intellectual challenge? What kind of engineer do you want to be, right? Because what's really the job, not just the degree title? So you know what? I'll add another I'll add another thing. Yeah. Right. And maybe it's not a lie. You know, you know what? It could be a lie. <laughs> right. So maybe this will be the 13th lie. Okay. You don't have to go to college at 18 years old. Oh, yeah. Absolutely true. That's something that a lot of people make the mistake of. They believe 
they have to go at 18. And oftentimes when I went to school, the absolute best students were the people who are older because they had expenses. They knew why they were there. They knew what they had to get out of the program. True. And they were there. I've seen it. They were the ones studying. They're the ones who knew. And, you know, they had experience. So when they did go look for a job, it was much easier for them because they had good experience and they had something to back off of. So that's one thing that I recommend. It's like 18 may not be the best time for you to choose because people mature at different ages, right? They say the brain isn't fully developed until you're 25. So sometimes 18, and here's the thing, you may not need to go full time. And now there are other options too that I've seen other people, what they do is they go to a boot camp at 18. They come out, they work a job and then they sometimes realize, hey, the boot camp didn't cover this. I need college for X, Y, Z. Or sometimes they say, hey, I have experience. I have online education. Like I've seen people go down that route by 22, they're already at six figures, whereas their college counterparts are sort of struggling and only doing internships and all that. So just realize that you don't have to go at 18. Sometimes you're just a better student earlier. I mean, later in life. And then that's when you need to go or you may not need to go at all. I've seen some people just take a class or two there. They're not stressed. They're working a job. They're upskilling and all that. So that's another thing. Just realize that we could keep going on and on. There are a lot of things, but I would highly encourage everyone to read the book because there's a lot of research. This isn't just like college is a sham and this and that. These are realistic things that you should know before you commit to college and then make an educated decision on why you're going. Because these are things I'm going to tell you, your high school guidance counselor is not good at this. If a parent found out that a high school guidance counselor was encouraging kids not to go to college, they'll be fired because a lot of times schools are judged by, like you said, how many kids they sent to college, how many kids they sent to what college. Like I see all the time, oh, 95% of the kids go to college and this and that. And that's it. It doesn't matter what happens to them after college. Doesn't matter if they like college. Doesn't matter if they're well ready for college. Doesn't matter if they dropped out. Oh, they went to college. This is a big problem because there are some people who are better suited for trade school, who are better suited to go to work right away, who are better suited. And they should be judged by, like you said, how many of them become fulfilled a few years out? How many of them have the life skills to make educated decisions years out? How many of them are happy? five to 10 years out. Amen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So now let's kind of, you know, before we wrap up, one thing that you mentioned and I really want to talk about is fulfillment. And a lot of people think that they'll get this fulfillment from college. Can you talk more about that? Oh, fulfillment such a personal thing. You got to really reflect on your life and what makes you happy and what brings you fulfillment. And it's a lot of its values, some of its culture some of its personality, right? So you got to mine through all those things and figure out what really makes me happy. When do I really feel satisfied? What do I do that leaves me at the end of the day feeling really good about how the day went and I sleep well and I'm not anxious and I just feel that just warm satisfaction? For every person, that's something different, right? If it was money only, it's like stockbroker or thief, right? That's the money only play or drug dealer, yeah. right? It's not good yeah, yeah. careers, right? But most people aren't money only. So figuring out the answer to that question, what makes me happy? Where do I get fulfillment? You end up with some people really want to work with only their minds. So that's your jobs for analysts, right? That's often actuarial jobs and insurance auditors and intellectual kind of jobs. 
banking would go in that realm too. Well, then you have people get great satisfaction from doing tangible physical things. Well, that could be auto mechanics. That could also be certain kinds of engineers. That could also be lumberjacks, right? I mean, there's just, and the difference between those is some are inside and some are outside. So ask yourself, do you like being outside or do you want to be inside? And if you search your soul and you think about who you are, you should be able to answer a lot of these questions about your environment, what makes you happy, right? What gives you fulfillment? And where all those things intersect, you should be able to find a few jobs and then ask yourself, what do I need to know to be able to get that job? Sometimes it's college. Sometimes it's not. And then the other thing is sometimes you want a hybrid. Sometimes you want to spend a little time outside. Sometimes you want to spend a little time inside. And then the other aspect is, do you want a creative job? Do you want a job where you work with people? Do you want a job where you're kind of more independent? Do you want a job that you have impact, right? Do you want a job that you just get paid well? Here's another thing. Sometimes you just got to do it to realize it because it's always different. I've seen the classic thing. I want to be a video game tester. (laughs) And then they don't realize being a video game tester is testing the same level like 600 times in a day, right? So think about like playing a song on repeat all day long and then you may be a video game tester, right? So these are things that a lot of people don't realize that it's not as glamorous as it seems. So please understand the realities of the jobs you're going for and always realize that you can switch. Figure out what you like, switch, and that's okay. That you don't have to be stuck at the same job forever. And that's what life is about. Yeah, well said, well said. So Rob, any final words? This was such a cool episode. Just love hearing like a well-researched balanced perspective. I know the audience got so much value out of this. Any final words? I want to maybe end with with purpose here, right? Why, why are we talking today? Why were you so generous in bringing me on? Is to help people, to help them make better decisions that ultimately get them to a point in life where they're happier, where they're comfortable, where they're more fulfilled, where they're less burdened with debt. That's the goal here. That's the purpose. And I wish that for everyone who's listening, that you can make a good choice for yourself, for your future family, uh, for help your kids make a good choice if you're that person. Uh, There's a lot of good to be done here if we just spread the truth around. Thank you so much. Buy the book. It's on Amazon, a couple of bucks, but it'll save you a lot of money. And I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but I know every semester college tuition goes up. So go grab that book. Doesn't matter what age, if you're seriously considering a a career future that may or may not require college, it's just good to get a different perspective because it'll actually share the truth. Because while most people in your life are well-intentioned, just as Rob said, they are misguided, they are ignorant, and a lot of time they're giving you outdated information. Thank you so much. Have a good one, Rob. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. 
Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com. Yeah, so you got no degree, no problem, no problem, any problem, we can solve them, LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving, growing in the knowing, wisdom is flowing, if you didn't know, now you know where I'm going, if you didn't know, now you know, let's sing that again everybody, no degree, no problem, any problem, we can solve them, Insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in a knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.